I remember standing before that judge and my lawyer kept speaking up for me. Every time he told me before we went in there, let me talk. Don't say anything, let me talk. And so that's what I did. I didn't know any better. I'd never stood in, I'd been in, never been in court like that where I was the one being, you know, tried. And I can remember the first couple of times the judge said something, the lawyer would speak up. He would ask me a question, but my lawyer would speak up. And about that third time, the judge said, I can remember he told him to shut up. He said, shut up and sit down. He said, I'm talking to him. And that's when I knew then. Even after being in there, that's when I knew then this was serious. Stay good day. Welcome, my friends, to The Storyteller, where you'll find First Nations people from across Native North America who are following Jesus Christ without reservation. Today we'll hear more from Jimmy Murphy, Jr., a Choctaw from Oklahoma, as he describes his downward slide into addiction and how that took him to a place that he never wanted to go. Uh, eventually, uh, my parents got divorced. Time passed. I left Dallas and moved back to uh, Atoka and decided I'm just going to stay in Oklahoma and finish out my high school. I moved back my junior year and... Um, Things were different. It was a lot, it was a small country town. I'd moved from a big city, Dallas, Texas, to a small country town. There's there's <laughs> there's big changes, and I had to adjust. At least there, uh, it was more peaceful, uh, more stable. But the the sad thing about it is, is I quit attending church like I, I used to attend, and well, one thing led to another. Uh, I started drinking. Something I said I'd never do. I started drinking and it really it was just peer pressure. I just, you know, I played football and a lot of my, te- my new teammates were, they, that's what they did on Friday nights and after the ball games and Saturday nights and, and there wasn't a whole lot going on in that small town like it was in Dallas. You could always find some, something to do, some activity going on and there wasn't a whole lot. And I guess I got bored too. And so I started to drink and I didn't even like it at first. Didn't like the taste, didn't like the smell. But I, I, I kept drinking to, I guess to try to fit in. Well, over time, I started liking it. Started, uh, more than drinking, started drinking, uh, besides beer, alcohol, you know, whiskey, liquor, and then it led to drugs and, uh, smoking marijuana and doing all those things I said I'd never do. And then, of course, everything that goes in that territory, just, just making all out bad decisions, bad choices. Even finally where it came to the point, I, my first year of college, I dropped out uh, because it come down. I was just there to play football and party, and my grades started going down. I got to the point where I had to do something, either straighten up where I could continue to play or, or just leave, and so I chose to leave. Uh, from there, uh, joined the military, thought that would help me, thought if I got the discipline and that would give me the maturity and responsibility, but... You know, when, when you're in alcohol, you know, you can change your environment. You can change, you know, your appearance. You can change your habits. But until there's a change in the heart, uh, a lot of those things are really in vain. They really, they help a little bit, but they, until there's a change in the heart, it, it, it didn't really help a whole lot. The drug use got worse. I went from marijuana to cocaine, snorting cocaine and smoking crack cocaine and, 
got to where I was doing acid and heroin and just just different things. It got worse and worse because I was I was saved, but but because I was away from I was out of fellowship with God, I, I began to live like like a sinner, like a lost person, like someone that didn't have God because I'd willfully, you know, I could blame it on my mother. I could blame it on the alcohol. I could blame it on a lot of things. But what it boils down to was my choice. I chose to do those things. And, you know, I had to learn the hard way. Uh, When you're a child of God, you don't belong in in that lifestyle. You don't belong doing those things. And and just like any other father, uh, God being a loving God as He is, and a merciful God and a gracious God, He's still a just God. And He will, He will punish His people, His children. And things begin to happen in my life. And it was to dis- discipline me, not to, uh, be mean to me. And I knew it though. I knew God was, was, was trying to get my attention. I went back one more time to college, uh, had the desire to play one more time and, thought because after being in the military, I was more mature and more responsible, but I still had the drinking problem. And so it, it didn't turn out any better. I came back home there to Atoka. I was in, I was in college in Kansas, in Lawrence, Kansas, and I went back to Atoka and, uh, really didn't have any responsibilities, really didn't have any, uh, goals. Uh, my only thing that I was living for was just to go out and party. And so eventually, uh, Started going to jail, spent a few nights different at different times, but I'd spend a night here and there in jail, and my life was in a downward spiral. And uh, I can remember finally getting to the point where I was even starting to steal and doing other things, starting to deal drugs, and but it, it was starting to take its toll. Uh, even physically, I could see I started to stutter a little bit because of all the marijuana I had smoked. Uh, I couldn't hardly even finish a thought. You know, I couldn't hardly finish a sentence. I knew what I wanted to say, but it wouldn't always come out. I can remember getting to the point where I stood before a judge. One night they brought me in and kept me in jail and because I'd been with some folks that had broken into a school. And even though I didn't actually take anything, I was there and, and it was my car. And so I was an accomplice and I was wrong. I was wrong. I was just as guilty as they were. But I, I was, me and one other guy was the only two that, that got in trouble for that. And I remember standing before that judge and my lawyer kept speaking up for me. Every time he told me before we went in there, let me talk. Don't say anything, let me talk. And so that's what I did. I didn't know any better. I'd never stood in, I'd been in, never been in a court like that where I was the one being, you know, tried. And I can remember the first couple of times the judge said something, the lawyer would speak up. He would ask me a question, but my lawyer would speak up. And about that third time, the judge said, I can remember he told him to shut up. He said, shut up and sit down. He said, I'm talking to him. And that's when I knew then. Even after being in there, that's when I knew then this was serious. It wasn't a game. Uh, I was a young man, thought I was invincible. Thought, you know, this would pass, no big deal. But I realized then it wasn't a game. And I remember him calling me up there to the to where he sat, right there, I mean, just a few feet away, and he got in my face, and he said, Mr. Murphy, if I ever see you in my courtroom again, you're going to prison. Do you understand me? He said, I don't care if it's for a speeding ticket. And I said, yes, sir, I understand you. And that's, I believe, then is when uh, God had got my attention through that. 
I got on probation, served my probation time. It was it was like three years. I had to pay restitution and report every month, and had to hold a job down, and 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 you know, do, I had that was had to do some community service and just different requirements they made of me. And but even in that, uh, even though God had got my attention, uh, I slowed down in my partying, but I didn't stop partying. It wasn't until I met my wife. Uh, her name is Sherilyn. And she was raised in a Christian home, but she was kind of out there like I was in, in the world. Uh, but she didn't, she didn't really party like I did. She, she'd drink every now and then, but it wasn't one or two maybe. It just didn't, she just didn't, it didn't have a hold on her like it did me. We ended up having children together. And I can remember, it was my, I've got three children now, but at the time, it just, the, the, my oldest two. I have a little daughter and a little boy, and at that time they were real little. But I knew where my blessings came from. I knew who had blessed me with my wife and my children. But I, I still chose to do what I wanted to do, and which was to continue drinking. And even though I had gotten threatened by the judge uh, the way I did, I, I, it, it had me. I couldn't. I couldn't put it down. And, and then I began to turn into exactly uh, my mother. I began to fight with my wife, start arguments, and they and they were all my fault. I'd start an argument. I had a hot temper, just like my mother did, and it didn't mix. I would, uh, you know, take it out on my little ones. You know, I'd, I'd be grumpy with them, gripe at them. And of course, they were so little, they didn't even understand. They just uh, would get scared and cry. And, and I was turning into everything that I always told myself I wouldn't be. I always told myself whenever I have kids, I can remember landing there as a little boy and hearing my, my mother uh, curse and, and break things I could I remember telling myself if I ever have kids uh, I'm not going to do that to them I'm not going to scare them I'm not going to drink I'm going to love them and take care of them and then here I was years later doing exactly what I said I wasn't going to do and, and it hurt me and and the sad thing about it is is I couldn't stop I couldn't stop it and I remember my wife finally gave me an ultimatum and I remember we sat down and she said Jimmy, I love you. I love you with all my heart. But I can't take this anymore. I just can't take it anymore. And I don't want to leave you. But if you keep drinking, keep doing the drugs, I I have to leave for the safety of our children, for my safety, before it goes too far. You know, that was another time in my life God got my attention. Because I love my family, I love my children, and I didn't want to lose them. Not over a beer can, not over a a joint, not over a a line of cocaine. I didn't want to lose them. And I remember sitting there and thinking long and hard, knowing in my mind that the beer and and the drugs weren't worth it, not worth losing my family. And I remember telling her, I said, Sherilyn, I love you, And, and and. I don't want to lose you. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. And I had every intention in my heart to quit. And I meant every word I said. And so she, she didn't leave. She stayed and, and you know, that night I made the commitment, but the next day I, I, I got up that morning thinking I, I'm going to quit. But you know, it's harder to do than it is to say the cravings came. I mean, it was so bad. I could, I, I, by the, up to the, by this point in my life, I, I drank beer every day. 
I'd come home from work. I'd on the way I'd stop and get a six pack, and I'd sit down and get home, sit down and drink that six pack. In, in my mind, to unwind, and then that's not counting. You know, if it was a a coin night at some bar, or if it was the weekend, the weekends were worse. And so it was hard. It was hard to quit. And even though as a Christian, I knew I needed the Lord. I needed God to help me. But I wasn't living for Him. I wasn't in fellowship. wasn't in church. And so I was basically on my own, in my own strength, trying to quit. And I did good for a little while. But then I fell. I fell and, and I drank one night. And there we were back in an argument. And of course, I had hurt her. I had broke her trust. And broke my, I'd lied to her. Broke my... I promise. So finally, I said, "Well, you know, in my mind, I said, I, I gotta, we gotta go to church. The only way I'm gonna get help is if I go to where God's people are at." Our choices have consequences, don't they? We read in Galatians chapter six: "Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap." It's true. Jimmy is faced with losing what is dearest to him because of his addictions. Thankfully, as you'll hear next time, that's not how his story ends. But what about you? Whether you've been in Jimmy's shoes or not, we all have sown seeds of destruction, and that's exactly what we deserve and what we'll get unless we are right with God. And we can be right with Him if we'll humble ourselves and put our trust in Jesus, the One who faced God's wrath. So that we wouldn't have to, my friend, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Want to know more? Visit our website withoutreservation.com and click on the tab New Life, or download the Storyteller Radio app and choose Hope. You can also write to us at the Storyteller, P.O. Box one thousand and one, Bemidji, Minnesota, five six six. One nine. Our phone number is eight seven 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 six six four six four eight. Thanks for listening. And remember, the greatest story took place at the cross. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's more to Jimmy's story, so be sure to join us again next time as we listen to the storyteller.